Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey everyone, welcome back to the AJ podcast. It's me and Ashley. We're doing a quick episode today, just quite simply because I have an errand to run. So we have a hard stop, <laughs> but you know, you guys still are important. So you need your episode. And so here we are. Yes, I am super pumped. This is uh, a really good question. I'm reading it right now and uh, it's just so relatable. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. And um you know, when people email a question over in instead of Instagramming, it just feels like 
so like half dance or half dance in this one. I don't know why I have that. So that's the best way to get through. But but we do have some Instagram questions too to get to at some point. Is I'll get to them, everyone. I promise. But let's do this. Sarah writes mm-hmm. in and she says, Hi Danny and Ashley. <laughs> this is my third time recovering from HA as I've battled eating disorders since my mid-teenage years. I'm now 23. I have gained a significant amount of weight so far in my recovery. She lists her height and weight for us and am continuing to take a huge break from training and eating plenty. Finally, I am all in, in terms of no rules, no stress over exercise, just wanting my womanhood back. I'd say this mindset change happened around mid-September. So super recent, right? Yeah. Um, Over the summer, I got my period once for the first time in a year on July 18th. I wasn't stressed, working, or burned out. I was just restoring, but still weightlifting here and there. Now the school year has started and I have tons on my plate as I am a first grade teacher. I completely cut out training other than stretching-based yoga and light walks to de-stress ground after school. I'm at a higher weight than I was over the summer, so I know all my rest and food is still working despite being on my feet all day at work, but still no period since that July one. I'm struggling to find ways to reduce stress. I've been concentrating on not bringing work home, but was wondering if you could give some journal prompt ideas to inventory areas that are stressing me out that I might be missing. I also want to get any tips you have on how to stop having coffee first thing in the morning. I'm struggling to break that habit as a teacher and maybe it's my missing piece. How long should I expect to wait for my period with this somewhat new all-in mindset that I adopted in mid-September when I said to myself, enough is enough. I feel so defeated, like what I'm doing is never going to work because my job is so stressful. I love your show, your advice. I want you and Coach Ashley to know how much you've helped me so far in my journey. Thank you. I love this question because this is me. This is totally you. I was like, okay, Danny, are we going to talk about this? This is me. I'm doing all the things. And I just think that this is so true. And we have client, we have other clients too. We're like, yeah, on paper, you're doing the things and you do have a better outlook and perspective and healthier relationship with a lot going on. Um, but still like, it feels like there's a lot going on and the stress. Yes. So do you want to go first or do no, you, you should go first? Because honestly, like, you're like, this is me <laughs> is me. <laughs> Okay, so I have a few thoughts in general that I kind of want to pick out. So I'm gonna pick out like the soft skills and then like the hard evidence type of thing, right? So we're gonna do this. So um I totally relate with this person when they're like, I've gained significant amount of weight and, and on my journey. Yes. <laughs> but in her head, she truly believes yeah. that because in society, this is a significant amount of weight. Exactly right. A hundred percent. And so I think honestly, like this is our first mindset barrier is that we are convinced that we have done all the things because we've gained x amount of weight and honestly that's something that we're telling ourselves that's not something our body is telling us right unless you have super nice warm temperatures and like you're having like you know like like, like your body's ovulating 
know what I mean? I'm not saying it's only about weight because we know that that's not the belief that we hold, but it's interesting that we completely disregard this as this can't possibly be it because I've gained this amount of weight. Mm-hmm. And had I had, and so the reason why I bring this up is that had I stopped at the 18, 20 pound mark, I would have never hear me. I would have never got my cycle back. Never. So I just say that with so much love because I know she truly believes that she is at a weight that she can cycle at. She truly believes that she has gained enough. But honestly, our cycle is always on the other side of what we truly believe is enough. You know what I mean? And so that's the first filter that we tend to run everything through. You know what I mean? Like, no, this can't possibly be it. I'm at a healthy weight. Nope. Can't, you know what I mean? I don't need to gain any more. So therefore, so whenever we have this mindset, I'm at a significant amount of weight. That's not it anymore. We automatically stop increasing our food because we relate food and weight together. So if my weight's fine, then like my food's fine. And then that leaves two giant gaping holes in our recovery. You know what I mean? To the point where like, we think we're eating enough meals. We think that we we're eating enough calories. And I'm not saying that you're not, but what I'm saying is, um, by holding this belief that automatically becomes a blind spot. Yeah. Like not being open to, mm-hmm. or maybe this is, yeah. So hundred percent, this is me. And this is conversations I've been having with other people recently too. So, um, I'm going to throw like a, an example out. Right. But Danny, like by, but Ashley, I've gained like eight kilos. Mm-hmm. Like yet, what do you mean? Like where so who are you to say eight kilos is like some kind of magic number or is yeah or sufficient but but this is this is just like reiterating what Ashley's saying in different Mm -hmm. words like society told you eight kilos is a lot yeah (laughs) you've told yourself that eight kilos you've told yourself you're and and you're looking in the mirror comparing your your Uh weight gain to where you've come from so of course it seems significant from that perspective but you know how often Ash are we having this conversation with people who are like still in small bodies? It's just the fact that they gained, you know, however many kilos has brought them into like a, a normal size body, feel like a bigger, small body or like, a, yeah, <laughs> you're like that extra small. I mean, like, you're like a, wait, wait, they call it extra medium. Yeah. Like I lost my period, I lost my period losing weight to where you are now having gained weight you know like yeah. so just every, it's all just so different and the the point here is like you can't control it and what Ashley always says that I love is how like you can't tell your body to comply you know yeah. like you'll get your period back on this amount of weight gain that's when we know that you've hit a ceiling and you're at your ceiling and I hear this in Sarah and what I love about Sarah's email is how she's like she she has my thinks it she already knows like this is kind of what's going on right like yes hunt like school teachers geez louise um yeah i used to teach school i used to teach school for four I mean. years and then i was like whoo i know i live next to an elementary school 
And I'm like, the sun is not even up. You know, I mean, <laughs> ladies are on the PA system. They're getting ready. Our Pledge of Allegiance time, everyone. And I'm like, go back to bed. But school has to start so early so everyone's parents can go to work. Sure. And then these teachers are staying behind to like grade homework. And they're dealing yeah. with children all day. And that ain't happening for me. <laughs> Wow. So it is, you know, yes, it is super stressful. And I do play just to like pivot from the weight gain thing, unless you, are you finished on, do you feel like I would just like to say that I'm shorter than her and I weigh more than her. And so I like to Um, make, yeah. yeah, So I just, I just really want us to know that the, that, that if we're super defensive about you've gained enough weight, we have boxed in your options. Does that make sense that we have like boxed in um, the options of where we can troubleshoot? And I'm not saying that, oh, if that, if you gain 10 more pounds, everything will go away. But what I'm saying that if you don't leave that as an open option, you are literally like cuffing yourself. Like you, like you're running out of options really, really fast. Yeah. And I, so I just did the math and coincidentally, the example I was using of eight kilos is, yeah. exactly, is exactly what she, that was a total coincidence. That is nothing. I'm telling you right now, when you're coming up out yeah. of this, out of Sarah, your particular starting weight. It's, it's, it's uh, slightly, right? yeah. so you're, you're gaining eight kilos and you're like, you're putting a lot of pressure on that eight kilos to do yeah yeah you know like you know like we think that eight kilos or whatever it is for us it's 18 right can heal anything and so it is shocking I'm just going to give you a full-on credit it is shocking and I know it's shocking you that's because in society we lose our shiz over three pounds or five pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like, what, like one kilo, one to two kilos for you or something like that. You know what I mean? And so like, I get why we're convinced that this can't possibly be the situation because society tells us you need to go on a diet if like you're up by five pounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so. very, it's very confusing. It is very I confusing. Mean, yeah. People listening to, for y'all, eight kilos is like uh 17 18 pounds and definitely people like that's a common amount of weight to gain in recovery right Mm -hmm. 18 and and beyond and beyond yeah let's normalize the beyond because whenever we talk about that people are like oh my gosh thank you so much because I was really freaking out you know what I mean and I was that person who most definitely had to gain way more than 20 pounds yeah, I'm trying to do the math because I can't pound, but we'll just, so I, <laughs> I had to go from 70, uh, from 64 kilos up to 75. And so um, think about this at 70. So, um, so that's 11 kilos. So I lost I, my cycle at 135 pounds, 145 pounds. I just want people to realize that. And she's at 128 pounds wondering where her cycle is at. I realized that my situation, I was very lean at that weight because I just carry a lot of like muscle. 
but I just like to share that because people would be like, there's no way. I mean, my doctors were like, there's no way, there's no way that you have HA, you weigh 135 pounds, you weigh 145 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your overall like, and this is the other thing, right? So say like your overall size matters, right? Um, say some of that weight that you gained is muscle, like, I don't know, but, but like, it's not all just, you're not just a, like the first pound you gain is not just excess body fat. Right? Yes. Same. Like, yes. You're not going straight from your current weight to gaining excess body fat. Holy cow. If you, yeah. if you gain eight pounds, right. Probably eight pounds of that is like not even excess at this stage. Do you know, like you get what I'm saying? Uh, well, one, it's probably yeah. food in your stomach for the first time, like feeling full. Yeah. Water, 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 system. All these things like you glucose do, re re you know what do you call it uh you have to give the body credit that like not everything's yeah. like and in in recovery your body typically doesn't want to go from a deficit to maintenance it wants to go from a deficit to a surplus and this isn't just in food this is oftentimes in body weight too so you need to push past this level of discomfort with your weight we all have a level when we go into this process that we're willing to meet and then we all reach a point where that number has been met and now we're at um we're at this stage of discomfort and we're not sure how to push through and so Sarah's saying like let me look around at everything else it could be and that is valid and encouraged and fine because I don't want us all living these high, highly stressed out lives, hoping that weight gain is going to save us. Nothing's like, you know, it just, no. So this brings me to a topic that has been very close to home for me and is coming up a lot in other people's lives too. Just like you have normalized a certain like you have, yeah, normalized a certain body type to be what is healthy and you have accepted in your head that like, you know, every additional pound that you have to gain is bad. Um, You've also accepted that having a lot on your plate and being super busy and all of these expectations are normal. And this is me. Like, I think that having three jobs is like normal. You know, I think that like having a child with almost no like support system around you is normal. I think that like, you know, staying on top of the house and staying on top of the laundry and like your kid never getting sick and all of that kind of thing, like, or your kid always getting sick, sorry. And that kind of thing is like normal. And, and handling, most importantly, that handling it all at the same time and never putting something down to make room for something else, that that is normal. And it is not, and it has been very difficult. Now, when I got my first period back, some of the things back then, didn't have a kid and all that stuff, right? Um, first of all, took training off my plate. So that was a big one because I was obsessed with that. But then I also stopped working on the weekends. Like I had a job um, that I was logging in on the weekends. We all were. And I put a stop to that. And just like 
this expectation that I could handle these things and opened myself up to the idea of like, what if even though I want to do that thing, what does it look like to say, to cut myself off? Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora, cornucopia of things. But in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful Thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. I say no. Mm-hmm. Create space, like be still. And it's really hard for a lot of people. Oh yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. I like to think of recovering from HA as like a stress bucket and like, depending on how you fill it is going to depending on what you can handle. Mm-hmm. Meaning. So like kind of one of those things of like, I know that when I carry a little bit more extra weight, I can like, like that's, that's no longer a stressor on my body. So therefore I can probably handle additional work stress. Does that make sense? That like, like your stress bucket matters, like what's going in it, right? Meaning that also when I carry a little more extra weight, I can train more and not have it impact my cycle, right? So because that isn't stressing out my system. So I bring this up because as we're recovering, you may have not reached that weight yet. So the additional stress that you're adding on has a bigger impact and is going to get you closer to the top to the fill of your stress bucket and potentially overflow. Right. So I think it's, um, but then on top of it, even if you do have your cycle, (laughs) it doesn't matter. There's still things, there's still boundaries that I'm constantly having to reassess for myself of like, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Like that got me into such a work burnout and such a miserable place 
that like I felt so trapped in like crying all the time about like my work situation, my stress situation, um, that like I was like, I actually don't care if everybody else can do it. I like I don't want to do it anymore. Like cool it for has you. To be okay, that you're not able yeah. to do what everyone is normal or whatever yes absolutely and you're like one of the other things is that like I I think I really went into like a hermit stage at that time because I was like I actually need to establish for myself how much I want on my plate and I can't do that if I'm around everybody and everyone's full plate because I just get distracted and I just start looking at oh well what can they handle well what are they doing it's like does not relevant and it's cold yeah like there's a name for this too it's called your allostatic load yes our goals with clients is to rebuild their allostatic load and that is your body's ability to handle and tolerate stresses in order to maintain homeostasis in the body everyone's is different beginning from being in the womb through to Mm -hmm. what you go through in infancy and teen teenhood to now it and that is why you are different to someone else but like emotional stress, mental stress, how like you respond to that is completely different than somebody else. Yeah. And so that's why I do agree that like, we have to really put some cushion on the areas that we really can to make sure that it's not a potential stress and, or it can help us absorb. So hence why, like, you know, so like you're talking about Alice, Alice, what did you say? I know Um, it. Allostasis, allostatic. Okay, yes, but there's also nutritional stress from from not eating enough. Like that is stress. That is a hundred percent stress on your body. You know what I mean? Or like only eating vegetables. Yes. Yeah. Being having too low of blood sugar. Like I get a lot of clients who have hopped on the blood sugar train. I put that in air quotes for everybody listening because what they're really doing is I want to keep it as low as possible. And if it ever spikes then that's the worst, um, guys, that's not like, it's supposed to ebb and flow and yes, it's supposed to come back down, but it's not supposed to be so low that it never spikes. Meaning that like you need an insulin response to build muscle. I don't see anybody freaking out about that, but if someone eats oatmeal and because I saw some influencer put on a continuous glucose monitoring uh, you know, thing. And, and then like your blood sugar temporarily spiked because you had oatmeal. It's like the end of the world. I'm like, well, you don't feel that way towards building muscle. Yeah. Like it's a natural mechanism. So it's a natural thing. And yes, it is supposed to come down. And if you know, Danny and I, we do talk about blood glucose levels. So we're not like throwing that out the window. That's actually a really big part of our coaching. I think what people don't realize too is that like the all-in method is not just, I don't know like exactly how it's uh, prescribed or explained, but like, it's not just about eating more because you're getting the calories in. The process Mm -hmm. of eating more is you're probably eating more frequently now, balancing your blood sugar now. Like it's doing more than just that. Yes. It's it's like you eating more, like the body is really great. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm going to handle the complex things. I'm just going to give you the one signal to eat more <laughs> because yeah. I feel like that's all you can handle right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, it, but you're right. It's doing so much more, so much more. And like, okay. And then I almost, I want to use the job thing as an example here. Yeah. It's just something to like throw out there that we've never actually touched on. Um, Cause it feels you know, I 
when you start talking about things like this it feels really bad to say wrong like and I think that this is a an, a societal belief thing that you know just a deeper layer that I haven't been able to get my head around right but telling someone like hey maybe and this this I'm not aiming this at you Sarah this is just <laughs> this is not specifically now just like bring it up for for whoever needs to maybe hear it um, it feels like it's wrong to tell people like, Hey, maybe you're in a career that's not right for you. Or like, maybe now is like, it's not a good time. And like, like, Oh, in the pursuit of health, there are some things that we shouldn't have to work around. Right. Or like, like, sorry, that we should work around because we can't do anything about. I think and it's, yeah. This is yeah. why it's been so hard for me. I have a lot of fear around financial safety and security and it's trauma for me mm -hmm. and so the I I'm actually feeling emotional <laughs> yeah beautiful go for it girl the thought of like reducing my income mm -hmm. or my mental health is extremely painful and hard and it's like I go around and around in circles with like my husband or whoever. Um, and th like, this is what my gut says. Like, I know I need space and I need time and it's okay for us to like make less money to, you know, mm -hmm. like for the society, for example, I didn't just go straight into doing this full time, you know, like mm -hmm. no, no, blur. no way <laughs> doesn't not making that much money you know like our first month we made like a hundred bucks that's not because that, that's how business works so of course I had another job right and so at some point you get to an area where it's like this business is showing potential right things are working out what happens if you dedicate yourself to it and so many of us get stuck here where it's like well I don't want to make that career change or I don't want to like jump into this business because I'm afraid of what it's going to do to my safety um and that was me and so I dragged myself through the mud knowing exactly what's going on having everyone around me tell me it's okay like take the risk take the chance we'll support you you have enough in savings yada yada and I just couldn't do it couldn't pry my fingers off like it's so hard so painful for me and so I'm like and this is because I have belief systems around how um like this is how I was raised y'all you have a job and it is full-time and it is five days a week and you work your way up that ladder and you make it happen and the concept that you need a rest or that working four days a week or whatever the concept of that is selfish and bad and, and privileged late. Like, or probably privileged. Yeah, like all this stuff. And it's not okay for a sheriff woman to do that. And okay. that, like, I hope you never listen, mom, but that's what happened to me. <laughs> so I can completely relate because I grew up the same way. I mean, I actually grew up really poor. You know what I mean? As I'm like, my mom uh, most times didn't have enough to eat. You know, so, you know, she fed us. She didn't eat enough. You know what I mean? She worked. I mean, I remember like she couldn't afford daycare. So she would, I mean, this was back in the day, right? So don't go be calling CPS on my mom, but she would not take a lunch. And then she'd go and pick us up from uh, school and then she'd have to go back to work. So we would just chill in the car with, with the windows rolled down underneath the tree, 
just because she's like, I have to go back to work. I can't afford daycare and don't kill each other. Don't open the door. I'm going to come check on you on my break. You know what I mean? Just like real hardcore stuff. And then, so I think from there, and I think that potentially you could relate to this is like my ability to bring in an income is tied to my worth and how I can contribute to the family. And so that's nothing that Blake has ever actually said to me, right? And no, nor does he actually be- like hold those beliefs. And I know Jake doesn't either, right? No, it's not them. <laughs> so like, it's literally us bringing this baggage into it. And so that's when I really had to like pull back and say, interesting. I think I control everything. I think that mm-hmm. I, I, that, that I genuinely have control over this. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I mean? Or that like my worth is in how and how like I can, you know, work all these jobs and take care of Nuggie and do all, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, you know, that, you know, like there's yeah, this right, gold, privilege to, to, yeah, to that there's this gold star because you can handle all this and you make it work. And at the end of the day, um, I was just like, actually, what if I exit the cycle that is actually not serving me and is actually not true? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so I've actually done a lot of work around that as well as in like, Hmm. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Cause I bet you the majority of us are dealing with something like that. There are very few people, they do exist, but there are very few people who are like, I'm good. I'm just going to like take a year off. Like I quit my job and I'm just going to like, <laughs> You know, yeah, even the way I'm imitating those people, I'm like obviously putting a judgment on them. That yeah, I know. I was like, Danny, is there a little judgment on that? Um, but but I don't want there to be. And I I so totally. like just in this thing of like what is on your plate, like you it, it's not just you know, you have to really look at it and like what are you what are you at like what's on your plate? Yeah. And, where is it coming from and how real is it and because maybe it's not actually such bad advice when someone's like maybe you should quit your job well one of the things that I realized is that handling all these jobs doing all those things or back in that burnout phase no I would not look at that phase of my life and said I'm happy or healthy and so then I mean like I'll do some uh mission trips just like a third wall. And it's just such an eye-opening experience. I mean, obviously I think that you get some of it, like you get more probably than, than than like what you put into it because you wind up having a different perspective of like, oh, mm, there's happiness can be found outside of um, working myself all the way to the bone. Like actually happiness can be achieved with a simpler life. And I think that's why I'm always like, I want to, like, I want to obviously work in the U.S. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like remote, but I want to go to another country. Like, you know, like my friend's living in Belize and she's like, it's just a simpler life, Ashley. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Gosh, this is, this is hitting me guys. <laughs> this is hitting me like this this is the stuff, right? This is why I got into coaching was because it wasn't as simple for me as, as game mm-hmm. was extremely important. It was fundamental. Yes. Like that last mm-hmm. of that marathon was like, okay, 
what is keeping me in this stressed state? What is keeping me in this state of fear where I don't feel safe and I need to make changes and they need to be drastic. Adding a meditation into my day, not going not gonna to do it. Handle all this crap anymore. It needs to be more substantial than that. And I just want that to like hit whoever is listening that I made those changes out of fear. Ash has made those changes out of fear. Um, a lot of it's stories in our head um, and a lot of it's, you know, real. And so you know, maybe you are living a life that that requires you to work too much, right? Like not, you know, you make X amount, now you've developed a lifestyle. And if that's a contributing factor to you, it's not about, what supplements or adaptogens now can I take to help me handle that? It's more about, well, what what about that lifestyle that you're aiming to have, right? That body you're aiming to have, that lifestyle you're aiming to have that's not serving you and is actually the problem. So, yeah. Yeah, love it. I mean, I can continue to go on and on and on about this, but I know that we have a cutoff. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta, we gotta go, but uh, we yeah, get going. <laughs> so right. good, love y'all. I hope that this was valuable to you. If you want to submit a question, please shoot it over on Instagram or on. If you're on our email list, you can basically just hit reply to any email that you get. And that truly is faster. <laughs> That's the direct line to me. Yeah, <laughs> email, email y'all. Yes. Thank you so much. Please. Uh, I don't know. Hit subscribe on this podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. All right. Bye, guys. Oh, how do I? There we that go. was good, Danny. Hey there. It's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method, both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device. So you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, Again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. 
This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural this is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. 
Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.